Okay, we want to dedicate the learning today. Lezecher Nishmas Yitzchak Aryeh Ben Menachem Mendel Shemina Aliyah for the Neshama. We are learning Daf Nun Vav, but we're going to start from the bottom of Nun Hayamid Beis. Again, the Gemara is talking about a tangent about these ideas of people that it seems like in the simple pshatim in uh, the pasuk that they sinned, but actually we can interpret it favorably. So the Gemara says, Amar Rav Shmuel Barachmin Rav Yonasan Kol Amar Anyone who says Bnei Shmuel Chata that the sons of Shmuel were sinners, in all the Torah is just is just wrong. So the pasuk says about Bnei Shmuel that they didn't follow uh, in the ways of their father. And it says that they just wanted more money and they, they had bribes. So anyone who says that it means literally that they were bad is making a mistake. Shemar, what's the proof that it's a mistake? Because it says, It says that his son, Shmuel's sons, didn't go in his way. So we can make the implication. It just means that they didn't go in the same level of where Shmuel was. But they weren't sinning. I mean, they weren't on the same level as Shmuel, the Pasuk is saying. But they weren't actually sinning. So I, the Pasuk says that they went away from money. Right? That, that they went after money and were taking bribes. So I thought they weren't so bad. So what does it mean? It just means they didn't do like the same level of their father. Shmuel, he dedicated his entire life to judging the Jewish people to the extent that he, he didn't have any side businesses on his own. He, his whole life he was traveling through the country judging the, the people. Every single year, what would Shmuel do? He was made a circle from Basel to Gilgal to Mitzvah and he judged all the people. But his sons weren't that righteous. They stayed in their own city. And the reason why they did that, because they had side businesses. They, they, they weren't as dedicated. And it would increase how much their, um, the, the people that they were sending out to bring people to, to their courts and, and their scribes, the people that they had to write the documents to get people, even though those things shot up. So it's an interesting thing. Because of their side businesses that they were trying to do on the side, they actually ha- ended up needing to pay more to their attendants to deal with stuff. But Obviously, if they were doing that, it was worth it to them because they must have been investing some other stuff and busy on some, with some other things. So the point is, is that we see that they were driven uh, to their side businesses and they weren't on the same level as their father Shmuel. So the Gemara now says, Ketanai, the truth is that how bad the sons of Shmuel were is really a machlok as to the Tanam. It says, so they went after money. It just means they were Leviim, right? Shmuel was a Levi, their son, so his sons were a Leviim. And, and they deserve a tenth, they deserve miser. Instead of just accepting the miser, if someone brought it to them, they would actually ask people for it. So that's like intimidating, right? If someone, a great person asks you for the miser, of course you're gonna give it to them. So they, they shouldn't have done that. So it's not like, you know, they didn't steal. It wasn't anything like a bribes, but, but they shouldn't have asked for it outright. If you don't remember, that they, they, would, um, they, used to, they would invest. So they would invest, they would give stuff to, to merchants and the merchants would, 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 would sell it and bring back money. It was like they were, in, they, they, they would have it. They, so the bottom line is the sons of Shmuel were investors and then they were also judging. So they were judging people who, who they invested with. So that's a somewhat of a form of bribery. They would take more than a tenth. They took an extra portion, right? So the Maeser was supposed to be a tenth. According to Rabbi Akiva, they were taking more than they were supposed to. The Matanos, certain parts of the animal are supposed to go to the coin. And uh, these people who were Levim, they weren't supposed to get it. They were taking those gifts. So it was like stealing. So different opinions here about exactly how bad it was what Shmuel did, what the sons of Shmuel did. Says the Gemara Amar Shmuel, Sometimes says that David made mistake is making that David sinned is making mistakes. So here, what are we talking about? So the story with David, with Bathsheba and Oria, right? So she's married to Oria, and uh, David does two things: he sleeps with Bathsheba while Oria is still alive, and he gets Oria killed. 
So anyone who says that David Mamish made a sin is making a mistake. Shenemar, what's the proof? We'll, we'll learn up why it wasn't. Shenemar, it says in the Passover, the proof is it says that David was very strong, successful, and Hashem was always with him. So would Hashem, would the Shekhinah still be with him if he was a sinner? I, when Nasan and Navi comes to give Musr to David, he says that you did, you, you, you disgraced the word of Hashem, to do the bad. So what does that mean? David was trying to do the wrong thing, but ultimately he didn't. So what does it mean? So the basic idea here, and we're going to see this in the upcoming Gemara, is that Oriah really divorced, really divorced Bathsheba, and David ended up sleeping with her only after the divorce. So, so he wanted to sleep with her right away, even before the, even before the, the divorce came. But, but the Gemara is saying, and that's the last Sarah, that it was to do the bad. But he didn't actually do it. Um, he only slept with her after the divorce. And the, the point of the fact, you know, we're saying that we're divorced, the Gemara is going to introduce with us that all the people in David's army used to divorce their wives. And why was that? So first of all, because to get, to get out of Yibam, let's say they didn't have any children, you don't want the wife to be bound to Yibam, so then you make her divorced. And the second reason, if let's say the husband would be killed and no one, no one knows what happened to him, so the wife would be in Aguna, she can't get married. So in order to get rid of these problems, all the soldiers would just give their wives um, a divorce. So, so, so Oria was, was going to war and he actually, he actually divorced uh, Bacheva, and that's the reason it wasn't, it wasn't such a problem, wasn't a problem for for, 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 for David to sleep with him. Okay. So now the Gemara says, Amar Rab, Rebbe da'asimi David, Mahabach v'dash v'zuli David. Rebbe da'anasi, the great Rebbe, he was a, a descendant of David. So he's going to defend David, right? It's David's his ancestor, so of course he's going to defend him. What does it say? It says in the Passover, the Navi said to David, why are you, why are you degrading whatever Hashem says to do what's bad? This context, to do what's bad, is different than every other place where it says that someone did something bad. Why? Every other time it says, in the Torah, it says that someone did something bad. The Khan, but here by David Amalach, it doesn't say he did something bad. It says to do which is bad. It means David wanted to do something wrong by Shabbat. So he didn't do anything. So that's the deal that Revita Hanasi made, that he didn't actually do anything wrong. Now we continue with Uriah The the Nasan Anavi says to David, you 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 killed Uriah. So it seems to say it's murder. And what does that mean? So it, not that he literally did it. Really, we're going to see coming up in the Gemara that Uriah deserved to die. And the reason was because he was married by Malchus. He said something that disrespected David Amalek. And by legal standing, David has the right to, to kill someone who's married by Malchus. What was the taina of Nasan Hanavi? Not that he was actual murder. It just means, You should have judged Uriah through the Sanhedrin and not, you know, taken matters into your own hand. But that's a slight point. But the fact that he really was liable for death was a true point. So it wasn't so bad uh, it wasn't actual murder or anything that he perpetrated for, for Oria because the bottom line is that Oria deserved it. And then I, the next part of Nussan's statement, you took his wife. So the simple shot is trying to say like, you did the wrong thing. You stole his wife. The truth was, he's actually saying the opposite. You, you could legally marry her. His mom is saying the opposite. Why is that? Why wasn't it adultery? Now the Gemara says, we've been referencing, whoever goes out to fight a war in the house of David, the practice was that they would divorce, give their wife a get. And, and the, the Machlokas we showed him how to understand the get. Rashi understands it was a tanai. It was a condition. It was, it would give it a get and say, if I die in battle, then retroactively you're divorced from now. So, so, so if it would happen, if it would happen, then, um, then, then if he would die, then retroactively, the woman was already divorced. So according to Rashi, that's what happened here. Uria was, was at war and he, he sent back a, a, a get to his wife with this retroactive condition. 
David sleeps with her, then Uriah dies. So if David sleeps with her, then Uriah dies, so ultimately she was divorced retroactively. So since it was a retroactive divorce, it was not, it was not Aishas, um, Aishas Ish. Okay. Tosos takes, takes, uh, takes problem with this. Because, you know, it comes out then that David slept with her. It wasn't, it turned out that retroactively, maybe according to Rashi, she wasn't in Aishas Ish. But at the time, we didn't know, right? Before he went to die in the battlefield, then he was, she, she still would have been married. So it's also learned that it was actually like a full-fledged divorce without any conditions whatsoever. Now, where do we find this practice that the people in David's army would divorce their wives? Shinemar, it says in the Passover, talking to David about all the brothers. He says, look, that they, they, they go after all of your brothers' things that they need. And it says, Arubasam Tika. So Aruba usually means like something of, to, to make sure people stay safe. So my Arubasam, what does that mean? Things that get messed up between him and her. So it's a reference to a, 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 a divorce. That we should bring back the divorces from the brothers for their wives. That, and this is was the idea that Yishai was trying to tell David that this is a good thing that he should get gitten from his brothers to bring back to their wives. It's a good suggestion for those at war, um, to, just in case to divorce their wives so they don't get stuck. Okay, so now we continue. What did what did Nasan continue saying to David? He said, "Oso Amon." He said, "You killed Oria with the sword of Amon." Now, what does that mean? You killed him with the sword of Amon. So that's extra, right? And I already really say this. So, what does it mean here? You killed him with the sword of Amon. So, Amon The same way, David, you're not going to be punished for something that was done by the Amon. It means you're not in control what the Amon does. The same way, you're not punished for what someone else does. So, you're not going to be punished for what happened to uh, Oria And the Gemara says, What was the reason? This is what we've been referencing. Moreh b'malchus hava Oria was rebelling against the king. The because when 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 David Amalek called him and he said, "Go back, go back on the battlefield," but 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 Oria didn't want to leave the battlefield because they were in the, they were they were fighting. So he said, He said, "My master." Moab is in, the, is in the field fighting and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to come back. So he refers to Yoav as his master. Now that's very disrespectful because in front of the king, you don't call somebody else a master. So because he did that, he was married by Malchus and that's why he deserved, he deserved to die. Says the Gemara, Amar Rav, Kimani's baby, the double, and Shachas of Amar Uriah. When you learn about the story of David, you'll see that there was no sins in his whole life except for the one sin of Uriah. Uh, according to Rav, like that was a problem. Nothing with Bathsheba was a problem, but, but, but causing Causing Oriah to die, sending to the front lines was a problem. Um, so the Gemara, the Gemara continues. Abai Kshishi Rami the Rabbi the Rabbi. Abai the old the old Abai said that there was a steer between one thing Rav said to another thing Rav said. Miyam Rav Alcha the Rav said that David Amalek only issue in his whole life only Chet was the thing with 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 causing Oriah's death. But Amar Rav Kibul Lashon Kibul David Lashon Hara. Rav says that David is Makabul Lashon Hara. We're going to learn about that story and coming up in one second. So we see that there was another sin that David did. So the Gemara says, Kasha, you're right. It actually is a contradiction. Was there another sin of David being Makabul Lashon Hara? Right. There's a sin not only to speak Lashon Hara but to accept Lashon Hara to believe it. So did David do that or did he not do that? That indeed seems like a, a, a contradiction in Rav's in what Rav's opinion is. Okay, so the Gemara ends with that, but now we're going to learn all about this story of David and Kabbalah So just a little bit of background. This is all going to be about a person named Mifibosheth. Mifibosheth is the son of Yonasan. Yonasan was the son of Shaul. So, so David had a pact. He had a covenant, right? A priest with Yonasan. And uh, after David established his kingdom, he wanted to honor it. And he's trying to look, were there any descendants of Shaul that were around? And he's, they, 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 he meets this, this slave of Siva from Shaul's house. And, 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 and Siva describes him about this person, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth comes to, to be by David, and, he, and he's with him in the palace for years. Okay, so that's one, one important point, which we're going to discuss. And then we're going to discuss how later on in David's, David HaMelech's life, the basic story goes, right? Avsholem rebels against him. David is forced to flee from the palace. 
if Yibosheth doesn't go with David, um, and then someone, again, the same tziva is going to tell David that Mephibosheth actually was hoping that David would not come back. He was hoping that, that, that David and Avshalom would have such politics that he would become the king. And he wasn't happy that David came back. And we're going to see a whole machlokas here between Rab and Shmuel, whether or not, you know, David accepted the slander against Mephibosheth or not. So now let's learn about this story. So Gufa. Says the Gemara, Rav Omar Kibul David Lashnar. Rav's opinion is that David accepted slander about Mephibosheth. The Sith. Originally, when we learned about Mephibosheth, the Sith. So David, so David says to, to Tziva, he says, Where is this guy Mephibosheth you're talking about? This is when he originally brings him into his house. He's in, he's in the house of Machar ben Amiel below Davar. What does low Davar mean? Lo Davar, low can be read, love. Lamed Aleph, Lodavar means that he doesn't have any Torah. So, so Tziva says about Mephibosheth that, you know, this guy's a total ignoramus, he doesn't know anything. But what happened? it says in the next passage, The king said, he bring Mephibosheth in the house of Machron Hashem, Milo Davar, here, Lo, Milo Davar, we can read, instead of Milo, we can read it Malay, full, full of Davar, meaning that actually he was totally full of of Torah knowledge. We learned that the Gemara and Brachas Davdalet that Mephibosheth even knew much more of Torah than David. David used to be embarrassed from the amount of Torah that Mephibosheth would know. David would even confer a lot of halachic shilas with Mephibosheth. So we already saw that Tziva is like an outright liar. So Michli Chazi the Shakruhu, we saw that Tziva lies. He lied to Mephibosheth saying he was ignorant when the truth is that, 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 that uh, Mephibosheth was in fact a big Torah scholar. So Kihadar Al Shini Loi Matameki When Tziva later on Said Harba Lashon Harba Mephibosheth, David should not have accepted him. Why should he accept it? And now Rab is going to prove what this later Lashon Hara was from Tziva to David about Mephibosheth. And that's the time against David. You saw that, that, that this guy Tziva is a total liar. He lied and said Mephibosheth is not a when he was. So later on, when he says something else, why are you believing this guy? You shouldn't believe him. Where do we, what's this later story? David was coming, right? He's leaving. He's leaving. Um, he's running away. Uh, from Avshalom, so Tziva comes to David, and Tziva sa- and David says to Tziva, you know, he says, wait, hey, where, where's your master? What's going on? Where's where is Mephibosheth? No, he's staying in Yerushalayim. And why? The pastor goes on to say because he's hoping that he's going to become king. He's trying to get. He's hoping that you know Avshalom and David they're going to just clash with each other. Eventually, the people will just go back to the house of Shaul. I'll become king. So that was the 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 slander that Siva said about Mephibosheth. Now says Rav, how do we know that David actually accepted this? He was Makabal Lashonar. So now we get into a whole story. What, what happens? So the king said to Tziva, He said, Everything that's wrong with Mephibosheth should be yours. He said a very strong thing. The king has the right to do that, to take away property from one person and give it to another person. So the king says to Tziva, Whatever is Mephibosheth is actually should belong to you. So Tziva says, You know, I bow to you, I find favor in your eyes, you know, everything's good. So that's the idea. David obviously is believing the slander. So he's promising all that's his, that's he's punishing Mephibosheth. He's promising all of Mephibosheth's stuff to Tziva. So that's Rob's opinion. So to conclude Rob's opinion, Tziva had proved himself to be a total liar about Mephibosheth. And nonetheless, when later on he says he slanders Mephibosheth and says that uh, the reason Mephibosheth didn't follow David when David fled Yerushalayim is because he was hoping that he himself would become king. David believes it, and that's why David promised um, David promised all of Mephibosheth's stuff over to Tziva. So that's what Rav says, and that's this was the other sin of David Amelach in Rav's opinion. There comes along another opinion in the Gemara. Shmuel says, David never accepted it. He never believed it. He never actually believed it. You want to know what actually happened with Mephibosheth's property, he ended up seeing 
things in Mephibosheth that made him suspicious. In other words, David ended up seeing that Mephibosheth, in fact, was no longer loyal to him. And because of that, he was able to see that Mephibosheth was, in fact, correct. And that's what was going on. And it wasn't when he said to Mephibosheth, you know, I'm giving you, I'm, I'm, to, to Tziva, I'm giving you all Mephibosheth's property. Rashi speaks out. He wasn't actually doing it. He was basically saying, look, let me go, I don't know if I believe you or not. I'm not going to be Makabal or Lashonara. And, 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 and there was nothing actually effective at the time when he said all the property is going to go. David wasn't really as a king then. He wasn't, he wasn't properly in the palace. He, David was basically saying, theoretically, I might give it all to you. I have to see if it's true or not. Eventually, David went on to see that Mephibosheth's heart was not with him, and that's why he gave his stuff to, to Tziva. So according to Shmuel, according to Shmuel um, uh, David Amalek did not accept the slander for itself. He didn't believe the slander in its own right. According to Rav, he just listened to Tziva. He said, oh, Mephibosheth is not loyal to me anymore. Take all this stuff. According to Shmuel, he said, I'm giving you all this stuff. That means, let me see what's going to happen. If I can see that you're right, and eventually I see that, that he's disloyal, then this stuff should go to you. But it wasn't the words himself. He wasn't Mikhail. Abel necessarily just because the words of Lush and Har that were spoken. Now, where did we see, what does it mean that David is suspicious of later on in Mephibosheth, he sees that Siva's words are correct. If Siva says, when he comes back to Yerushalayim, after Avshalom is defeated, so it says, Mephibosheth ben Shol Yar Lukras HaMalas, Mephibosheth, the son of Shol, comes to greet the king. So he's come totally unkempt, right? He's, he hasn't done his laundry, he hasn't gotten a haircut, he doesn't look good. He hasn't done any of these things, the Pasuk says, since the king left uh, the throne, he, he hasn't been grooming himself. So that was Mephibosheth's practice. Now David understood that as a sign that Siva was telling the truth, that, that Mephibosheth was like in mourning that David had come back. So he got very, very nervous. He's like, what in the world, um, what in the world is going on? Right? So it says again, Mephibosheth is coming to Yerushalayim. He says, why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth? So David tests him. He says, what's going on? I went into exile. I left the palace. You didn't come with me. Why didn't you come with me? David is suspicious. And he said, What happened was that my slave tricked me. I really said that I want to go saddle up the donkey and go riding it with the king. My servant is lame, right? He couldn't walk. My Mephibosheth wasn't able to walk. It's just saying, you know, uh, 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 he's slandering me. You do whatever is good in your eyes. So basically, David is, is putting into the test. He's saying, I'm suspicious of you. Why didn't you come with me? He sees him. He's not looking good. David is, hears those words of, of Tziva ringing in his ears that says he's not loyal to you anymore. He wants, really wants to be king. So David says, maybe the reason he doesn't look good is because he's, he's, he's in mourning about the fact that I'm back. So David says, hey, why didn't you come with me? And, 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 and Mephibosheth says back, well, I really wanted to. I got tricked. I wasn't able to. He makes excuses. So you know what happens? So, so the king says to him, stop speaking. You know what? You and Siva should, should split the field. So David Amalek makes a compromise. He says, I'm, not, I'm, I'm taking away half of your stuff. So, you, so, so he's like kind of not believing of, of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth says, He says as follows, You know what? Let Siva have everything. Since the king is coming back, Bishalom in peace, El to his house. So what is very strange reaction from Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth's reaction is, oh, you're giving away half? Let, let Siva take everything. So the Gemara explains, what was he really saying? Amar lo Mephibosheth was saying, I was really saying, when are you come in peace? Meaning, I really wanted you to come back. 
And this is the way you're treating me. You're treating me. You're giving away half my field. You don't trust me. I was really genuine to you. Okay, I didn't, I didn't shave. I didn't do all these things because you weren't in the palace. It was the ultimate sign of respect. But when you come back, you don't respect me. You don't trust me about this. You know something? I'm not complaining against you. I'm complaining against Hashem. I'm complaining against Hashem. So Mephibosheth outwardly is saying, you know what, David? I still totally trust you. You know who I'm upset about that, that, that you're not trusting me? You know, you, know, you know who I'm upset at? I'm upset at God. Now, David Amal hears this. And once someone is complaining about God to something, if they're complaining, it means they don't accept it. And David Amalek realized what's really going on inside of Mephibosheth's heart must be that he's not really that loyal to me anymore. And uh, the trust at that point, the bind, the trust between David and Mephibosheth uh, was broken. So according to Shmuel, it comes out, David was not in the Kabbalah, the Lashon Hara, just from the words of Tziva, it was only through his encounter with Mephibosheth that, uh, that David actually ended up believing the words. It wasn't from the words itself. So David wasn't Mechabal Lashon Hara. So that's a machlokas between Rab and Shmuel. Continues the Gemara, Hainu Dasiv. This, now I want to assume if Yibosheth was actually complaining to Hashem, this is the meaning of the Pasuk. Ben Yonason Meriv Baal. It says that the son of Yonason was Meriv Baal. So that's not his name. Mephibosheth, his name is not Meriv Baal. Meriv Baal Shmoz, his name is Meriv Baal. His name is Mephibosheth. Because he was arguing with Hashem, so Basco came out and he said, you fighter, the son of a fighter. You're a fighter because what we just said. He just complained to Shemayim about the fact that David came back. You're the son of a fighter. This is when Shaul goes to fight the Amalek. He says he comes to the Amalek and he fights in the Nachal, by the river. So we know that Amalek wasn't by the rivers. So what does it mean by the river? Amar Ramani al Iskei Nachal. It was about the matters of the Nachal. So this is a reference to Gemara Numa tells us to uh, Eglah Rufa that Shaul said as follows. How can I kill all Amalek? It's, it's so wrong. It's so cruel. You know, I'll show you it's so cruel. You know what the Torah says about Eglah Rufa that you had decapitate the whole process of the calf because you find one slain body. You don't know who killed it. So the Torah says the value of such life is so strong that you have to do such a special service called Eglah Rufa. And God, you want me just to go out and kill, annihilate an entire people? It's cruel. So Shaul was fighting with Hashem. He was telling Hashem, you're telling me to do something that's too cruel. So he's, and now Hashem is telling Mephibosheth, you're fighting with me and you come from someone who fought with me. You're fighting with me about that you didn't want David to come back and you're the son of someone who fought with me, uh, Shaul, who fought with me about whether or not to kill the people of Amalek. So this is the end of Shmuel's Shita that David was never believing, was never believing the Lashon Har about Mephibosheth. Now, but again, Rav disagreed. Amar Vida Marav, Bishosh, Amar Dabba Mephibosheth. When David said to Mephibosheth, you can see what divide the field. Because the shot was, again, that he had been, according to Rav, that he had accepted the slander that Siva had said. David, you're splitting the field. You're acting based upon the Lashon Hara that Siva said. Well, then your kingdom is going to be split. And you're going to have your grandchildren, Rechavim and Yerobim, will split your kingdom. And that was the split between Malchus based David that turned into Malchus Yisrael. Your kingdom becomes split because you sinned. You are Mechavah the Lashon Hara about Mephibosheth and you split his field with Siva, so too your kingdom will become split. Amar of Yudom Arab, very scary statement. If not for the fact that David accepted the Lashon Hara, then the king David would have been split. If so, the Jews wouldn't have done Avodah Zarah because remember, it was always these Malchi Yisrael who caused such bad Avodah Zarah amongst the Jews. Yeravim did horrible things. 
it, he used the power, the power that he had to do horrible things for, for the Jews to do Avodah So he never would have been exiled. All the sins, everything, all is rooted in the fact that David was Makabalashanara. He split the field. Because he split the field, he was paid back Mida Kedeg and Mida and his kingdom was split. Because his kingdom was split, there were Machai Yisrael. Because of Machai Yisrael, we did a lot of Avodah Zara. Because we did a lot of Avodah Zara, we were exiled. Continues the Gemara to a new, to a new person. Anyone who says that Shlomo HaMelech did a sin is only making a mistake. What, what are we talking about here? The simple Pshan, the Pasuk says that he did Avodah Zarah. Once he married, right? The Pasuk's rhyme that he just did a lot of Avodah Zarah. We'll prove that he wasn't so bad. Because it says that Shlomo's heart wasn't perfect with Hashem the same way that David had been. So we can make an inference. He, it was just that he wasn't as great as David. But he wasn't actually a sinner. It says that at the end, when Shlomo got old, his wives turned his heart to other gods. So it seems like Shlomo is doing Avodah Zarah. We're saying he didn't do Avodah Zarah, just that he wasn't as righteous as David. What does the Pasuk mean? That his heart was turned to other gods. So the Gemara answers, he could Nasan. It's going only Rebbe Nasan. Rebbe Nasan, Rami Rebbe Nasan, had a contradiction. It says when he got old, that his wives made him to do Avodah Zarah. See if it also says, that he just wasn't as good as good as David. Which implied that he wasn't as good as David, but he wasn't a sinner. So which one is it? So Rebbe Nasan answered, is what it's saying. It just means that his wives tried to turn him again to go after other gods, but he didn't actually do it. So we're defending Shlomo. We're saying it doesn't actually say they did. It says the wives were turning his heart, but he didn't actually go to do the Avera. It says Shlomo is making an altar for the for the idol of Moab. So clearly he's worshiping other other gods. No, it doesn't mean he actually did it. It just means he wanted to build such a thing, but he didn't actually erect the altar. And that's, it, it, you see that in the Pasuk. It doesn't say, Uz Bana, that he built it. It says, Uz Yivna, he will build it. Meaning it was in his intent to build it, but he didn't actually follow through. He didn't actually build it. Says the Gemara El Miyato, if you can read Psukim like that, Uz Yivna Yeshua Mazbech Hashem. It says, then Yeshua will build an altar for Hashem. So, so, so built also means that, that Yeshua wanted to do it but didn't do it. But we know that he did build it. So by Shlomo also it means that he built it. So, so how could you say, how could you say that, uh, that it means that he only wanted to and didn't actually do it? So we say as follows. We learn from here that uh, from a different place, not from the language, but from a different source. We have a source that Shlomo didn't actually build the Mizbeach, Rav Odezar. It says, We're talking about here, King Yoshia. So Yoshia was, was a tzaddik, and when he was trying to get rid of all the Avodazar and everything. So it says that he got rid of all of the altars that were by Yushalayim, everything, everything. So after Baal, Asa, Velobiyar, Yoshava, Velobiyar, could it be that Asa came to fire, he didn't destroy these altars? And and Yehoshaphat came and he didn't destroy them. These were both tzaddikim. You think that Havlash Shabbat Yehoshaphat until it was only Yoshia came and he destroyed them? What we, mean, what we mean to ask is, how could we say that it was Yoshia who destroyed it? How could that be? Right? Clearly, clearly, it's not that way. It wasn't him. Maybe he destroyed. He destroyed some, and he destroyed what remained. But we can't give him all of the credit. We know that Asa and Yehoshaphat tried to destroy all the Avodah before Yoshia was ever was ever the king. It must be that the Pasuk is comparing the earlier king Shlomo with the later kings Yoshia, and we're saying like this, justice by Yoshia. It doesn't mean it literally when it says that, that he destroyed all the Avodah We mean we're giving him extra praise, even though he didn't actually destroy all the Avodah but we're giving him the praise as if 
he destroyed all of the Avodazaros, Afri showed him so to the earlier ones. Shlomo, which is mentioned there in the Pasik law, Subatalangai, even though he didn't actually build the altar, the Pasik is still saying as if he did in order to disgrace him. So basically we have a Pasuk which is connecting Yoshia to Shlomo. So the point of the connection is just as by Yoshia, who destroyed some of Avodazaros. The Torah is considering it as if he did all of them. So too Shlomo, even when the Pasik says he built an altar, it doesn't actually mean that he did it. It just means that we're going to write it as if he did it, even though he literally did it. What do you mean? He did bad. What's going on? Or, or to phrase it differently, why would the Pasuk consider it as if Shlomo did it if he didn't really do it? Because Shlomo, even though he didn't build him as Beichos, but he, could have, he should have protested against what his wives were doing, and he in fact did not. The Torah says it considers it as if he did the Avodah Zarah. So now we're coming out that Shlomo himself didn't really sin. He wasn't as good as David. He wasn't a sinner. He didn't do Avodah Zarah. He didn't build any of his Beichos But he should have protested against what his wives were doing. He didn't. And therefore we consider it as if he did the wrong thing. It's better for a righteous person to actually become like a, you know, a priest. It shouldn't be said about, about them that they did what was evil in the eyes of Hashem. And the point of this statement is to say just how bad it is uh, not to protest against, against evil deeds that is considered to be very bad. Now the Gemara continues, When Shlomo marries Paro's daughter, she brings in a thousand different types of instruments. For Amrlo, and she teaches him all about idolatry. Kachos and Avodas is how they worship this idol. The Kachos and Avodas is how they do it for a different idol. Whenever, you know, throughout all these tutorials and lessons, he is not protesting against her. Says the Gemara, Amr Vidamar Shmuel, Vishosh and also Shlomo's Bas Paro. When Shlomo marries the daughter of Paro, Yerid Gavriel, Venaz Kanabayam. So the, the, the angel Gavriel comes and he puts a reed into the sea, Valabo Serton. And it makes a whole sand area around where the reed was. But all love, and it was on that little island in the sea, Nivne Krachalosha Romi. That's how Rome came to be. And the point is, Rome, who came to be the horrible people who fought against the Jewish people, it was the beginning of Avodah It all came from Shlomo Mary Baspara. When Shlomo Mary Baspara, that's how Avodah Zara, more Avodah Zara came to Yerushalayim. It all was set in motion from that point on for the base of Mikdash to be eternally destroyed. That's how I'm going from the Roman people, and that's how Rome was created. It says the Gemara Mestisa Tana. Also, by Yom Shachaz Yeravim Shnei Glazav, a different thing. When Yeravim made the two calves, so Avodah Zarah, Achav Beis El, Achav Adam, one was in Beitel, one was in Dan. Nivnet Shiv Achav Beis El, Italia Shayavin. So there was a little hut that was built, and that was the place. Rashi says it was actually on the sand place that was by Shlomo, meaning like it, it continued into and developed into a, into a city. So Shlomo, when he marries Basparo, that's when it, the, the reed was thrown in and there was a little, you know, sand. And then eventually, with more Avodah being done in these Yeravim, then suddenly we see the town starting to develop as Rome, the enemy of the Jew, is on the rise. Continues the Gemara to another person. Anyone who says that King Yoshio sinned is only making a mistake. So Yoshio, it seems that the Pasuk saying didn't do something right, but he was really good. And we'll see what, what, what could have theoretically been interpreted that wasn't right. It says he did everything that was right in the eyes of Hashem. He walks in the ways of David. So obviously he was good. says, I, it says there was no one like Yoshio who did tshuva. So clearly if Yoshio is doing tshuva, doesn't that imply that he sinned? So what does it mean? What does it mean that he's doing teshuvah but at the same time we're saying he didn't sin? So the answer is, all the court cases that he judged from when he was 8 until 18. Remember, Yoshia took over the throne when he was just 8 years old. So all the court cases that he had from when he was 8 until... Until he was um, until he was eighteen, he returned all the money. 
Meaning he didn't feel that it was proper in retrospect to judge court cases at such a young age. So he took money out of his own pocket and paid back all the people once he was older. So that was Leftim Yishur Zadin. You know, he did Teshuvah, meaning he never really sinned. But he's doing Teshuvah as Leftim Yishur Zadin to pay back all the people. Shema Maybe he took the money away from the people who had won and gave it back to the other people. He returned to Hashem with all of his money. Mishalo was from his own money. It was from his own assets that he paid the people back. Says the more applicable to Rav. Rav Yunusen says, disagrees with Rav. Rav said as follows. There was never a greater Balachuva than Yoshia in his generation and one other person in our generation. So according to Rav, Roshia was actually a real a real, a real Balachuva. He actually had sin and he in fact did uh, Teshuva. Now Rav said that there was another person in his generation who was a Balachuva. So the Gemara says, Umanu, who is this other person? Says the Gemara, Ab- Abba Avuad Abba, the father of Yumri Abba. Amrila, Akhwud Abba Avud Rabbi Abba. Some say it's Akhal, the brother of Abba, the father of Yumri Abba, the Amar Mahar, Abba Akha Akhiyaba. Abba and Akha were brothers. Amar Abba Yosef, Yosef continues that in our generation we also have a great Balchuva. Manu, who is that person? Ukvan Barnachem Rishkulusa. Ukvan, the son of Machemya, Rishkulusa, Bahainu, Nasan de Tsuisa. This is the person who's called Nasan from Nasan from Tsuisa. Now we'll see what Tsuisa means like. Nitzotas are sparks. So we're going to see it's like there were, the idea is that there are sparks of fire that came out um, to, to accept the, the tshuva that he did. Where do we see this? Amar Yosef, he was sitting on the Pirzgah. I was one time, you know, sitting in a shear and I fell asleep. I was dozing. I saw there was an angel who was putting out, he was, put out his hand and he was makabal the tshuva that Nasan, that this Nasan uh, did. And this idea that like, the sparks of fire, Nasan in Yitzutza, he was the greatest, uh, the greatest Baal tshuva of his generation. So the Gemara concludes that ultimately it was a machlokas whether or not Yoshia had sinned and he just did the shuva or whether he never really had sinned.